We left off with a guy, you heard from Pastor Mario last week, Joseph, who went through his own share of, of sufferings and, and somehow, though innocent, though his, bro- his own brother selling him out, though thrown into jail for no reason at all, totally not guilty, though all of that, he still held on to God. And he's in a land where God isn't. It's an Egyptian pagan culture. And he holds on to his faith, and his brothers are at home holding on to their guilt and shame. And somehow God has taken this whole picture of ugliness, and he's turning it around. And he's making it for his purpose and for good. And if you could believe that, that God does that in your own life, it would get you through a lot of stuff. And do it. That got obviously Joseph through. And um, you'll notice through this series in the Old Testament that we've been using a lot of typology, what some of you may call shadows and types, a, a reflection of, of what's in the New Testament from the Old Testament, a mirror of, of what's to happen, a, a shadow of, of what's to be. And some people have asked, like, well, some of, most of you have been very encouraged by that and, and strengthened your faith and gone back to read the Old Testament with a new with a new zeal. I remember when I first heard shadows and types or typology introduced in Old Testament reading, um, I was in an Old Testament class and the professor was introducing various things as we were going through Old Testament. And I sat there as a skeptic. Um, I, I just thought maybe it was just a little too far out there and a little too much. And the more that I read his word as one story rather than a bunch of divided little compartmentalized Sunday school lessons. When I read it as one story, he was so right. And my faith is strengthened as a result. So I hope for you. Jesus said, and Jesus said himself that the scripture speaks of him. That was his accusation against the religious leaders. He said, for if you believed Moses, Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first five books, we're reading in Genesis now. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. He said that he wrote about me. And so if he wrote about him, we'd want to read what is written in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, in the early church, the early church grew, and the gospel was proclaimed not using New Testament because it didn't exist. All of the people heard from one source. They heard from the Old Testament, mainly the books of Moses, the law of Moses, the Torah. And so it's all in there, and that's why I, I use it. So those who have ears to hear, let them, let them hear. So Joseph, uh, in our last of our story, for those that were here, some of you know the story, He's, he's sold out, he's innocent, he's in jail, uh, he's got a, a cupbearer of the, of the king in jail with him, he's got the, the chief baker in jail, he's, they have visions, he interprets the visions correctly, and, and one of them in the vision is impaled on a pole, and the other one is raised up and sent back to the presence of, of the king. And before the cupbearer is raised back to new life and, and given his uh, pardon, uh, Joseph looks at him in desperation and says, hey, hey, when you get to the king, tell him about me. Just remind him I'm here. Tell him about me and what I did for you in interpreting your dream. That was his hope. And so, of course, the cupbearer being so grateful and being amazed that, that God had spoken through this man and thing. As soon as he got to the king's presence, what do you think he did? Nothing. Two years passed, nothing, and Joseph sat in this dark dungeonous cell. He could be full of victimhood and 
and suffering and wondering and blaming and wondering if God is even real, that after God has so-called given him this gift that he's not even take, coming back to get him. He's now about 30 years old. Two years had passed. And now Pharaoh, the king of the time, he has a dream. He has two dreams. They're both basically the same, just different objects. And we're in Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 4. This is the dream of Pharaoh. He said, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed upon the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the river bank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He had a second dream, and instead of cows, it was stalks of wheat, the healthy and the unhealthy. And he couldn't sleep because he had no one to interpret his dreams. And even though he had the dream team, uh, a guild of divine interpreters, divination was big in the pagan culture. He called upon them, and not one of them could interpret the dreams for him. And so in frustration, of course, the cupbearer, who was in jail with Joseph, whom Joseph said, Re remember me before the king, suddenly in order to score points, I'm sure, remembered Joseph. There's the guy with the answer, and if he could do it, I'm, I'm just putting motives behind what's happening here. He's thinking probably, if he is, can interpret this dream, then I'm the hero, and I will be in the king's good stead forever. And so he remembers Joseph. Joseph has summoned the Pharaoh. He is cleaned and shaven and dressed in new clothes. He appears before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh asks him to interpret the dream. He tells him the dreams all over again. And, Pharaoh, and Joseph says this, listening to these amazing words. Joseph said, I cannot do it, he replied to Pharaoh, but God will. God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. This is amazing. Here we are, 13 years, either behind bars or in slavery and servitude, those two combined, and he is still holding on to God. Why? He holds on to his faith and he says, I exist to glorify God. I do not exist to free Joseph, to make Joseph look good. I exist that God gets all the glory. What a testament of life. What a great example for you and I. So he had two dreams and Joseph said this, the two dreams that you had is God saying to you that this is going to happen for sure. It's matter of fact, and there's nothing you can do to change these events. And then he interpreted the dreams. He said, for the next seven years, there will be great feasting and harvest in the land. And for the seven years after that, there will be famine in the land. Now, just to give you an idea of what famine will do to people, we don't have that here because we've got supermarkets and people that somehow out of nowhere send us food. But... There's a couple recorded histories. There's a lot of famines every year, but I, I, two that came to my mind was one in China. The famine was only three years, not seven years. And in three years, nine million estimated people in China died because of the famine. And India had a three-year drought as well, famine, a drought. 
and six million estimated Indians died in that. This was twice as long. It would be devastating. Drought caused wildfire, they caused starvation, they caused disease, they caused a rise in criminal behavior motivated by desperation, they caused homelessness, they caused inflation, and they caused involuntary migration. All those things play havoc on a people. So Joseph not only interpreted the dream, but he gave a recommendation. He said, I, I recommend you do this. I recommend you, you appoint a trustworthy person to oversee these next 14 years, the, the, the plenty and the drought. And then I recommend that you collect 20% of the first seven years of the harvest and store them up for the next seven years. And Pharaoh gave, these most remark, gave this most remarkable, unexpected response to the to his prisoner, remember he's a prisoner, he's uh, convicted of, of messing around with the governor's wife, and he's a Jew, he's a foreigner, there's no reason to do anything special for him, and this is what he said to him in Genesis 41, verses 37 through 40. He said, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the Spirit of God? Is there anyone like him? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And in one moment, he goes from a darkness of a dungeon of death, and he is raised up to the right hand of the king typology. He is robed and given robes, the scripture tells us, of majestic robes. He is given all authority by evidence of a signet ring, and that signet ring, when implanted in any wax contract, is binding and fully authoritative. He's given all authority over the earth. He's given all majesty and acclaim over the earth, and he has sat in a royal carriage. They put him in a royal carriage drawn by royal horses, and as he ventures on, the people shout, make way, make way, which reminds you, doesn't it, of a Palm Sunday. Make way, Hosanna, Hosanna, make way for the king. Seven years of abundance came and went. It was so plentiful of an abundance that Joseph stopped keeping count of how much they had collected. The storehouses were overflowing. And then the famine hit, began in year eight. The Egyptians started to cry for help. He opened the storehouses. He sold them the wheat and the bread that they needed to exist. It was wonderful. But the famine extended out, and it went into the other lands. And guess what other land the famine and the drought went to? It extended on to the land where Israel, Jacob, and his family lived. And the famine became severe there as well, so severe that Jacob went to his sons and he said, go to Egypt and buy bread from Pharaoh. Go buy some wheat. And so the ten brothers went down to Egypt and they kept the baby brother, Benjamin. Benjamin had the same mama as, as Joseph our now new right hand of the king. He kept the baby at home because he loved him and he prized him with everything. Since his son Joseph, he thought was dead, he prized Benjamin 
And so when they got to the right-hand man, Joseph, his brother, they did not recognize him. And instantly they bowed down to him as king. And Joseph, of course, is remembering a dream that he had, two dreams actually, way back when he was a young man at 17, he remembered two dreams where he dreamed that they would bow before him. The prophecy took that long to fulfill. And all of his discouragement, I just wonder if while he was sitting behind bars and in the darkness and falsely accused, if he wasn't thinking God promised, God will fulfill his promise. Joseph recognized his brothers. It had been about 20 plus years. He looked older. He was in Egyptian garb. He wouldn't even speak uh, Hebrew to them. He spoke Egyptian through an interpreter to them just to throw them off. He asked personal questions. How's your father? Do you have a, fat, do you have a dad? Hey, do you have any other brothers? Because he didn't see Benjamin. He counted 10. There should be 11. Yes, and told him about another brother, a younger one. Then Joseph did this thing that seems very passive-aggressive. Any of you ever do passive-aggressive? Yeah, a lot of passive-aggressive people out there I've learned. He, 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 said, uh, he said to this, knowing they're, why they're there and that it's all true, he looked at him and he said, you're spies. You're all spies. And he had them all thrown in jail. Three days in jail. Finally let them lets him out, and he says, I'll hold one of them hostage. And he takes Simeon, and he holds him hostage. He said, go down, and I will release Simeon when you go down and bring your youngest brother and bring him to me. Because he loved his younger brother. He wanted to see him, but he did not reveal who he was. And at that moment, his brothers are reminded of something. This is very important. This is the pattern of the gospel, guys. Very intentional here, how this is set up. We're in Genesis 42. This is what the brothers said to one another at this moment. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come on us. They're, they're seeing the consequence of their sin against selling their brother Joseph. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the body, but you wouldn't listen? Doesn't that sound like siblings? Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them. And since he was using an interpreter, Joseph at that moment, overwhelmed, turned away and went and wept. He sent his brothers grain and in their grain sacks, he had his servants put in the silver, the money that they had brought to buy the grain as if they had stolen it back. When the brothers discovered the silver, they knew that if Pharaoh should ever come for them, that there would be a sentence of death on their head for stealing against Pharaoh. Even though they were totally innocent, they would be reckoned to death sentence, just like Joseph was when he was sold. When they all got back, they said, listen, you can get, we, Simeon is in there. The only way to get Simeon back is to bring your favorite child, Benjamin, the youngest, with us. And Jacob, of course, refused. He couldn't lose another son. He'd already lost Joseph. We can't lose Benjamin. Every time Joseph, Jacob is looking at Benjamin, he, he's seeing his mother, his favored wife, Rachel. He's seeing his brother, Joseph, his favored son, to whom he'd given the multicolored coat. And, but Judah, the fourth in line, and the son, he persuaded Jacob by promising to protect 
Benjamin. He even promised to give his own life. He says, listen, you can, if anything happens to Benjamin, then you take it out on me. You can kill me. He gave his own life. Now, what a difference. It was Judah, if you remember, who sold his brother Joseph. It was his idea to sell him for 20 pieces of silver to the slave masters. And now he's willing to die for the son and the favored brother. And so when Joseph came home, they presented to him. The, by the way, the brothers had not only brought back the silver when they came back to Pharaoh, they brought back extra gifts and priceless items that are only found where, where they live in Canaan. They brought back the gifts, and, as, and they went to Joseph. They presented him the gifts they had brought into the house. They bowed down before him to the ground. Second dream, they bowed before me. He asked them how they were, and he said, how is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? Wouldn't they think of that? It's amazing that this important man would remember about our father. They replied, your servant, our father, is still alive and well, and they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. By the way, brethren, every, every word of God spoken will be fulfilled. You can guarantee it. He's got an important word about bowing down. One day, there will be another bowing down. You can hold on to that promise. He said it in his word at the, in Psalm 22. At all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. One day, every single person in the earth, past, dead, and alive then, will bow down to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. As Joseph looked about, he saw his brother Benjamin. We're in Genesis 43, 29 to 31. As he looked about and he saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he, he asked, is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said to him, recognizing him as Benjamin, God be gracious to you. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and he looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and he wept there. And he, after he had washed his face, he came out controlling himself. He said, um, <coughs> serve the food. And they sat down to eat. And here's the amazing thing about this, again, typology. The men had been seated before Joseph, before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest. And they looked at each other in astonishment. Why? Because Joseph would have no idea how old each of them were. By this time, they were all fully grown, and you couldn't discern the ages. And By the way, many were close in age. And, and Joseph had ordered them to sit in the order of their age. That's why they looked at each other in astonishment. And when portions were served to them, here's the key word, when the portions were served to them from Joseph's table, he served food. Now, some context. No Egyptian, it says in his word here, no Egyptian would have anything to do at a table with the Jews, with the Hebrews. It was an abomination to them to dine with them or to serve them food from their own table. And here it is, an act of mercy and grace that not only are they being served, but they're see, being served the same food that the one right hand of the king is being served and served from his very own table to them. 
When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. And says, and so they feasted and drank freely with him. You know what it doesn't say? What did they, why did they sell Joseph off? Because they were jealous. Oh, he got the coat. He's daddy's favorite. He, he's, he's first in line. That's not fair. But instead, I said, no, we're going to rejoice. And if he got five times as much, they didn't care. They were just glad that they were in the presence of the great one and that they were eating from his table. It didn't matter to them. It delights the Father to give you all things. And Joseph is watching their sorrow that leads to repentance at this moment. They are no longer jealous. Their hearts have been changed through this trauma, this suffering. Joseph sent his brothers away. This time he did something even more passive-aggressive-like. He took his prized divination silver cup, and he put it in one sack. Whose sack do you think he put it in? Exactly. Got some Bible scholars in here. Put it in Benjamin's sack. All of a, a setup. And when they got just a little way from the city, Joseph said, bring them back. Ordered them back. And he accused them of stealing his pride. So how, how could you reward my good with this kind of evil, he asked them. They pleaded innocent, and they argued. We had no idea. We didn't take it. And if, and if you find the silver cup in any of our bags, then we deserve to be your slaves and to be dead. We deserve it, but we didn't do anything. And so each of them, starting from the oldest to the youngest, they empty out their bags, and they got all the way down to Benjamin, and he emptied his, and there was the silver cup. So naturally, the brothers, this is, this is amazing, what they do, he tested their hearts, tested their hearts because he had already said this. He said, very well then. He said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it, the cup, will become my slave, and the rest of you will be free from blame. So Benjamin, Jacob didn't want them to take Benjamin as it was, the prized son of the father. They didn't care about Joseph and that it would kill the father's heart to go back and and, and to say that your son is no more with this trumped-up story about some animal eating him. They didn't bother him, but all of a sudden they're bothered. He had the cup, and what did Jacob do? He, was, he mourned when he found out about Joseph, and he tore his clothes in mourning. And what did his brothers do when they, heard, they saw the cup come out of Benjamin's bag? They tore their clothes in mourning. They mourned over the loss of their younger brother and the devastation on the father. The thing had come full circle, and now they were experiencing what their father had experienced. And it just showed at that moment that, that their hearts were repenting. They appealed to Joseph for compassion, and they said, we're not leaving without our brother Benjamin. Joseph ordered them to, that, that they had to go fetch their father. Then he'd get Benjamin. They said, we're not going. Genesis 45, it reveals this is the culmination of this most dramatic scene and one of the most dramatic scenes in all of scriptures by the way feel the tension here he has been holding back his identity he has not told them at this moment they they are feeling they are seeing and remembering their sin they are feeling the remorse they move towards repentance but yet 
they're still under the wrath of Joseph. And here's what Joseph said. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he had made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Why? Because they now expected and knew that they deserved his wrath and he had the power and authority to have them all executed on the spot. Again, this is the pattern of the gospel. The sin is exposed, the wrath of God is revealed, a heartfelt remorse, and then Jesus reveals himself and grace is given. Undeserved, totally undeserved. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. He's just letting them know that he remembered. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry. Listen, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me. Because, why? Because it was to save the lives that God sent, for which God sent me ahead of you. He said, ah, don't be angry with yourself. You can forgive yourself. I have forgiven you. Rest on that for a moment. We have many people in here have not forgiven yourself for some things that God has forgiven you of. And you're holding on to that shame 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. I've met people 40 years, 50 years going into the end of their life holding on to things that God has released them from. That I, there's a bigger plan. Joseph saw a much bigger plan. This scripture comes to mind. God has given each person into iniquity so that he could show his mercy on them all. Each person is in iniquity, but why? So that you can experience the glorious kindness of God. Jacob is stunned when his brothers get to there and they tell him of the news, Joseph's alive. And Pharaoh invited all of Jacob's family to come and live in this land called Goshen. Family then is like 66 to 70 people total. That's the whole tribe of Israel is just that small amount of people. For the next five years, the famine devastated the Egyptians. Pharaoh owned everything, and all the people had everything, and it's a sign. Are you telling me to wrap it up? <laughs> Jacob, at this moment, Jacob comes to the land of Goshen. He's restored with his son, but still, they're still holding on to their guilt and shame. They're still not believing that they're off the hook. They're just waiting for the shoe to drop. You ever wait for the shoe to drop? Like, I, I'm sure, like, like, no, there's no way you can forget. Somewhere the shoe's going to drop, right? I'm going down. So Jacob prophesies. He says the, the son Judah is going to hold the scepter forever. In other words, from Judah, remember, this whole thing is about the offspring. Who is the one that God is sending to save the world? Joseph is just a shadow and a type of how God saves his people. He does the most 
he takes the worst and the suffering of it all, and then he uses it to save the people, and he used the suffering of his own son, who was totally innocent, to die on our behalf. And so after Jacob died, they, they tried to manipulate this a little bit. They're afraid, and they, they go to, they go to uh, Joseph. They send a messenger and said, like, listen, tell him this. Tell him that when dad died, right before he died, you know what he said? Oh, great Joseph. He said, uh, uh, have mercy on your brothers. <laughs> Isn't that something we would do? It's dad's dying wish. You can't deny a dying wish. And Joseph heard this, and, and he, he wept when he heard that, that they wanted him to forgive their sins, that rejoiced in him. God rejoices when you want him to forgive you. His brothers then came, Genesis 50, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. In other words, don't, whatever you do, don't kill us. We, we serve you. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. It's a glorious end. I would encourage you to hang on Pastor Mario's words from last week when he encouraged us to do that. that things are looking horrible and it's the very end and darkness comes in that you look at it and you ask that God what good are you doing with this and he is you can hold on to that and then Joseph reiterates he says so don't be afraid I will provide for you and your children I am going to supply your needs all your needs and I'm going to supply the needs of your family and he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them all that comes back to the words that I remember Jesus saying, he said, I, I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. I came that you may have life, and not just any kind of life, that you may have it abundantly. Jesus said, fear not, little flock. Fear not. Don't be afraid. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I give you everything that you need and more. The brothers had carried 20-plus years of guilt and shame. They acted wickedly. They had lied. They had committed in tandem murder. They deserved the wrath of their father. They certainly deserved the wrath of Joseph, and yet they were given full kindness and grace. So that would be my message to you. There is great joy in knowing God's forgiveness and goodness, even in the suffering of it, that there's purpose in it. There's purpose in your life. You have purpose in your life. This life is not just some chaotic moment of mixing and matching of events the way it's portrayed to us. It's all together, and God wants your good. He is out for your good. But we need to do what his brothers did. We, we need to come to the place of, of not minimizing our own selfishness, minimizing our own sinfulness, our own rejection of God and pushing him away for our own needs. We can't minimize that anymore. We need to do what the brothers did, and we need to come to grips with it and say, God, that's all true. I know I'm even worse than that. But I come and throw myself before you, God, as your servant, and I receive your forgiveness. Jesus did the ultimate. Joseph, he was the greater Joseph. Joseph was just a man. Jesus is God. And he came, and he lived a totally innocent life, and he too, was scorned, and he too 
was sent away, not to just prison, but he went to the cross. And when he did, it says in the word that God had taken all of our sins and he nailed them there. That he will forgive us, that if we will put our trust and confidence in him, that's the turn. That's The brothers had to do a turn here. If we will trust him and put our faith in him and follow him and not our own way. If we will give up our selfishness and realize that God is God and that Jesus is Lord and that he not only went to the cross, but he did raise again on the third day. He came out of the dark dungeon and he was raised up to the right hand of Father and he was given all authority on heaven and on earth. And we will all bow before him. Before that day, he gives us the option. It's the option of receiving what he has given us in his kindness and grace. I thank God. Do you? I thank him. There's a song we're going to sing right now as we close out. And I, I know it's not normally in the genre of, of what we sing, but it's appropriate. There's great joy in being free by God. There's just great joy in knowing the depths. The brothers, can you imagine how they rejoice? Do you think that after Joseph set them free that they didn't go home and dance a little bit? I think they had a party. I do. This song, the lyrics go, he picked me up, he picked you up. He turned you around or he can turn you around. He placed your feet, my feet, on solid ground. Because of that, I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. He lost another one. Hell lost another one. Hell lost another one. I thank God. You will walk the streets of gold, brethren. Mm -hmm.